So the difference is, is that nobody gives a shit if Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame. Most fans, I should say this, in my opinion, that's fair. Most fans do not yeah. care, but they care when their baseball players are in or they're not in. That's very fair, but I think uh, my job is to ignore that emotion and try to, like, I view it. You know, people have asked me, "What do you say to your child?" You know, what kind of example are you setting as a parent? I'll say, "I'm setting an example of how to curate a museum." You know, because that's what I'm looking for. It's intellectual consistency. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 220 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. And this is always my favorite one that we do of the year because we are breaking down the Hall of Fame ballot, also talking some other major baseball topics with three of the smartest minds we've got going in the baseball world, or at least two of the smartest minds, and one guy I've known since college. So he has to come on. That's the way it goes. Uh, first of all, Susan Slusser from the San Francisco Chronicle. She has been a Hall of Fame voter since 2002. Susan, it is so good to see you again. How are you? I'm very well. It's delightful to be here. I feel like we used to talk a little more regularly, so this is this is good. Yeah. No. Well, you know, I got to get out to the stadiums a little bit more, so don't ignore me when I see you out there. Okay. I'll try not to. Thank you. Uh, first time I get to say hello to Lavelle Neal, a columnist for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. He is casting his ballot for the 20th year. LaBelle, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's amazing how I had to add up how many years I've been voting for the Hall. I didn't realize I had gotten to uh, 20, so um, I guess I'm a veteran voter now. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. More veteran than this last person. As I mentioned, I went to the University of Michigan for one year with them before they kicked me out of school. They technically didn't. I left on my own. At least that's what I'm sticking with. Kenny Davidoff, who has been a Hall of Fame voter since 2007. Hello, Dominoes. How you doing, bud? <laughs> My friend, I might be a dumb unemployed guy, but I'm a dumb unemployed guy with a, a national football champ as an alma mater. So, yes, hail yes. to the victors. Yeah, we yes. know. The yeah, proud congratulations. Week. Tip of the <laughs> Great cap, day to be a Michigan Wolverine. <laughs> All right, that's it. We got to move on. By the way, Lavelle, congratulations. You win most interesting Zoom angle in the history of this show. Great job. Well, I got some bad lighting going on right now, so I look like a silhouette, so I apologize. <laughs> no, that's good. It's all good. All right, gang, before we get started on some topics for the Hall of Fame, I want each of you to maybe take 60 seconds and kind of explain to everybody out there the process. How do you go through your Hall of Fame ballot? Is it something you just sit in a corner with for a week by yourself? Do you talk to your colleagues about it? I'm going to have Susan go first, then Lavelle, and then Kenny, you finish it up. Uh, this is something that I have, yeah, I mean, I think I'm on my 22nd ballot or something. I spend a lot of time thinking about like year round, right? Like whenever the topic comes up, people do want to talk about it. Uh, so I put a lot of thought into it kind of like there's no set time. Uh, but the easiest way to go about it every year is to look at the no brainers this year, somebody like Beltre, and then fill in. And I used to be a small hall person. I, when I first started voting, it was like, you had to be a slam dunk hall of famer. And I often just voted for a handful of guys. I never maxed out my ballot. We've had such a log jam uh, this last, essentially since the steroid guys came onto the ballot. Uh, there's been such a lag, log jam. I maxed out. Uh, I don't like guys to fall off the ballot too soon or deserving of more than, you know, a year of consideration. So I try to keep that in mind, too. And that can make things tricky because we've got this whole rule of 10 where we can only vote 10. Um, so this year, there's there are guys like Abreu, who in a, a lot of years, I would give a vote. And I didn't this year because I wanted to make sure that uh, all the guys I feel like continue to need to be considered year after year, given the logjam, uh, are continued to be looked at. So it's a, it's a long, involved process. And I think most of us take it very seriously. 
Lavelle? You know, as the years go by, you watch players accumulate stats, and you look all of a sudden you're looking and see, wow, tenth year, eleventh year, twelfth year. You know, you, it starts. It, you do start thinking about, okay, this person's on a hall of a hall of fame path. But you know, to me, it's it's almost like a mini Christmas day when I get the ballot in the mail because I open up the ballot and I, I look at the, the 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 names of the players and the boxes next to them, and I, I immediately tick off guys who I think are locks. You know, um, to me, Beltre's in that group as well. Um, and then as we go along, you know, I'll, uh, I don't know if I talk too much uh, about that with other reporters. You know, sometimes during the baseball season, you may cl- uh, run into each other somewhere and have discussions and may end up heading toward you know, who's a Hall of Famer or not. Um, but usually about the middle of December, you know, I'll start looking in on the people who, you know, may not be slam dunk choices because I think the voting has gotten more nuanced in recent years. And Susan alluded to the the logjam that we have created that we need to address. So, and then, uh, you know, I do some research. I think Jay Jaffe is a gift from God. His work with uh, determining who's a Hall of Famer and who's not is uh, a great resource for me uh, every year. And then usually by the last week of December, I fill in my ballot and I drive to the uh, the post office at the airport and put my ballot in a couple of days before the 31st. And that's my process. Yeah, not not, much, not entirely dissimilar to Susan or Lavelle. I, it's, it is in the back of my mind year-round. I'm always thinking about it, <clears throat> uh, especially now, because I, I do now that I'm, I'm, I call myself retired. This is the one thing that I'm still involved in. Uh, I'll do it for another 10 years before they take it away from me. And uh, I do get to a point in December where I'll, I'll sit down and really just do some number crunching. Um, but I do, uh, like Susan, I'm a big hall person. I can't imagine ever leaving a space blank as long as I'm doing this. So when people ask me, is player X, player Y a Hall of Famer? I say, yes, but really the, the key question is, are they top 10 on my ballot? Because we have that that cap at 10. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I crunch the numbers and I factor in other things, uh, you know, just their, their impact on the game, uh, w- even uh, postseason. Uh, I do think if it's someone's last year on the ballot, I, I factor that into, there was a, one of those this year, uh, and then I I I, uh, I fill it out and send it in. Have any of you ever felt guilty about leaving somebody off? Every year. Who, Kenny? Do you have Billy remember Wagner. one in particular? Yeah, Billy Wagner. I mean, I, Billy Wagner. I I'm so fond of personally. I got to know him during his time with the Mets. I have never voted for Billy, and that that was actually if I had in mind when I just said like, wow. is Bill, is Billy Wagner Hall of Famer? I think he is, but I just haven't yet found a way to. Put him in my top 10 at the expense of others who, to be frank, are, I think are even bigger yeses on, on whether they should be in. Well, I'm curious. Does it, Susan and Lavelle, I don't it, you're it's up to you whether or not you want to reveal who you voted for. But did either of you put Billy Wagner on your ballot? I would have if I had a ballot. Yeah. He's did, on Susan? mine. Yeah, he he's has on, been uh, consistently on mine. Yeah, uh, he's on mine as well. Um, the, the weird thing that I went through this year was uh Looking at Chase Utley, I'm going, I think Chase is a Hall of Famer. But it made me go back to look at Jimmy Rollins because someone has been voting for years. I always think about how Alan Trammell's in the Hall and yeah. Lou Woodker is it, you know. So I'm I'm headed down that path now with uh, Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley, who played next to each other for years in Philadelphia. So I got Utley in and, and Rollins out. And I'm wondering if I'm going to have to uh, go back to that debate in, in future years. Are you comfortable, Susan, 
with flip-flopping. What I mean by that is one year, somebody's not on your Hall of Fame ballot, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, of course they're a Hall of Famer. How do you deal with that? Yeah, usually that's when either a space opens up. Um, you know, with, uh, I've, I've had some people who have bounced in and out. Jeff Kent was one for a long time. Uh, if there was a spot, I would throw him in. If there wasn't, I didn't. Uh, and, you know, because he was a little bit borderline, it was clear, you know, from the numbers, he probably wasn't going to make it. But he's somebody that I always felt like deserved to vote when there was a, a possibility. Uh, now that I'm voting all 10 and, you know, I chaired a committee for the BBWAA that actually looked at all of this, looked at the voting and um, maybe expanding the voting. We actually uh, requested to the Hall of Fame that they expand it to 10, to 12. We knew we weren't going to get unlimited, which is what everyone wanted. Uh, and the, the response was we essentially um, we we like it as it is. So we're we're limited to that. And I'm now that I do vote the full 10, there's almost always somebody that is off for a year and then comes back if a spot opens up and uh, spots aren't opening up enough. And I have long thought that the what we used to call the Veterans Committee and is now the Eros Committee. Um, I would like to see them putting in more players. Yep. Uh, I was actually on that committee last year. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about the inner workings, but obviously it's Hall of Fame players and some executives and a couple of writers. La Lavelle has also done that, did that with me last year. Um, but I would like to see that as a means to also add more players. You mentioned somebody like Whitaker. Um, I, th I think those are important conversations to be had, too, because a lot of guys do um, either come off too early, especially now with the log jam. Uh, or were, you know, the, this whole era is underrepresented and the one just before it is a little underrepresented and there are positions that are underrepresented too. And I think that needs. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, Lavelle, let's start with you in terms of people that are on the ballot this year. I think we all agree. Adrian Beltre <laughs> will see in Cooperstown. Doesn't mean he's not worthy of discussion. It just means we'll see in Cooperstown. Joe Maurer is also a first time on the ballot. You're up there in Minneapolis. Is he a Hall of Famer? I voted for Joe. Um, and I mean, it's been a very interesting debate. And actually, that's one of the cases where this was coming up three, four, five years ago with, with other reporters I run into on the road or when they come through Minneapolis. Is Joe Maurer a Hall of Famer? And I think it's some of the things he did as a catcher is undeniable. The three batting titles, uh, the MVP award, uh, the multiple times all-star. He just did some things that no catcher's ever done. But the concussion altered his career significantly. He moved the first place afterwards. So the, the conversations I've had with a lot of writers are, is that his 10 years as a catcher are enough to not ding him too much for the five years as a first baseman. Cause as a first baseman, he was like average, you know, but as a catcher, he was among the best in the business and uh, did everything well, controlled the running game, handled pitchers, pitch framing, offense, you know, complete package. Um, so, I voted for Joe. Uh, I always felt he was going to get in eventually. Um, wasn't sure he was going to get on on the first ballot, but he just might get in on the first ballot this year. Kenny? Yeah, I was a yes on Mauer. Yeah, and to answer Lavelle's question for me, is 10 years as an elite catcher enough? Yes. I mean, yeah, that's catcher is such a grind of a position. And uh, when, yeah, when you look at, look, very few of these guys are Yachty Molina and are doing it until they're 40 you know a lot of these guys had to shift or move off or saw their production drop whether it's mike piazza or even johnny bench at the, at the end of his career uh so yeah I, for me uh joe was a pretty easy yes susan the argument against him was well he didn't have enough pop 
You know, the guy, he could, sure, he could put the ball in play whenever he wanted to. Had one season where he hammered a bunch of homers, and that was it. He was a pretty dominant player for a long time. You know, the best player in the franchise for a, a long time. You know, perennial all-star. I, I just... I mean, he's somebody that I I was always kind of eyeing as somebody I would vote for the first time if there were enough spots available, depending on what kind of happened in previous years. And for me, he was just like an absolute, you know, I I, I looked, you know, at all the numbers. But for me, yeah, absolutely. He's he's somebody that should be there. Let's only two on. catchers, only two catchers have gotten in on the first ballot, and that's uh, Pudge and Johnny Bench. There, I heard they were pretty good. Like, <laughs> fine, if you're interested in catchers, it can play offense and defense, what have you. What's going on, everybody? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSE, and new customers can bet just 5 bucks to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code ROSE. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Now back to the show. Let's move on to a really, really interesting name, in my opinion. Gary Sheffield. I want you to raise your hand if you think he has been unfairly kept out of Cooperstown because of PED claims. Unfairly kept out of Cooperstown. (sighs) Oh, wow. Lavelle's really struggling with this. You you kind of gave me a, is that a half hand raised or I can't. Yeah, tell I, I think, I think he's played a part in that with him. Um, the thing about Gary too, is that, you know, he bounced around for, through a lot of teams and um, I don't know how much that's hurt him, but my goodness, I keep thinking about uh, at, when he was playing, um, there were very few sluggers who were more feared than Gary Sheffield. And, you know, and I think about how he performed uh, against contemporaries, and I think that's always that's always pushed me to vote for him. Um, but yeah, the PED thing I still think looms over there the ballot a lot, Chris. It's still there. Um, I'm curious to see how many people vote for A Rod or Randy Ramirez. They're still on the ballot now, you know. And you know, there is a Sheffield question as well. But um, I I don't think his case is that severe as some others. So I look at his numbers and go. My goodness, look what he did during his career. I I just think Sheffield deserves in. Except that the difference is that Manny Ramirez was suspended. Mm-hmm. A-Rod, suspended. And A-Rod and- was after they toughened the drug policy. Both those were yes. after they toughened the drug policy. Right. To me, that's a double ding. Yeah, uh, there, so- are, there are other guys in there that have been, that are already in, that have been connected to steroids, I think, as much as Sheffield has been. So I don't know if that's what's keeping them out. I do think maybe the bouncing around... Uh, I, I think some people see him as borderline, which I, I don't, but uh, I don't, I, I, certainly it's not to the extent of A-Rod or, um, you know, Manny, both of whom I, I vote for, but uh, yeah, he he's, um, 
I, I'm not quite sure what it is, but I don't think it's the it's the PEDs as much as it is for some other guys. So both of you, Susan and Lavelle, I just want to get this correct. You both voted for Sheffield this year. Yes. 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 Kenny? I did too. And I, I mentioned earlier there was someone in his final year uh, who I factored that into my vote. That's Chef. Uh, I, I didn't want to be the one keeping Chef out in his final year because I do believe he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he is. It's he is a fascinating case, you know, because of everything we've discussed here. Like going back to the start of what he at one point he said that he purposely threw the ball away, right when he was with the yeah, Brewers. Yes, uh, but then it so. turns out there's no evidence that he actually did that. So that's like that's Chef, you know, <laughs> like you have to kind of just wade through a lot of stuff. Uh, and even the steroids thing is is fascinating to me because yeah, like David Ortiz is in. David Ortiz failed a test and he's in. Uh, so chef, you know, took some, uh, his, as far as he says, and we know took some stuff from Barry Bonds and, you know, claims he didn't know was, uh, illegal. And, and that was that, you know, he and Barry had a falling out. So yeah, I, I agree with Susan. I don't think that's the only thing keeping him out. Uh, you know, I think even if you do the, the statistical breakdown, his defense doesn't measure well. Uh, but I certainly think it's, it's a significant factor in why he hasn't gotten it. I think it's been tough for writers to evaluate players from that era because, I don't think we know exactly how many people were writing dirty at the time. And it could have been juice players, hitters facing juice pitchers. And so then what's the, why are we holding, why are we uh, devaluing someone? If everybody was, you know, it's like driving down a highway, you know, you know, there's no cop on the highway. We're all doing 75. Okay. It's same thing for baseball until they toughen the drug policy. Yeah. Uh, I've talked about, I've talked about this a lot. The, my stance on the steroid guys, once sort of the uh, lead figures of the era went in, auto basically automatically as soon as they were able, Steelig, Larusa, Cox, like you know those guys, I was like, I don't, I don't understand. And there were obviously players who had been linked to steroids at that point who were in. Um, I, I felt like there's just there's no justification for keeping out anyone linked to steroids. It clearly, the Hall of Fame was not taking that into account when they were putting people in. Nope. Um, but, uh, except for, I, I think feel, I feel like now just except for the two guys that seem to be held up for the whole era and I don't get it, but whatever, yeah, that's getting a different in, topic. Seela getting did it for me. That's what kind of pushed me over the top on that. Me too. Uh, Lavelle, I thought I heard you correctly. Did you say you still, you vote for A-Rod and Manny? No, I do not. I do you not. Do not. Okay. No, those, those I, are two I cases. Where, oh, you I, did uh, Susan. Yep. Okay. Really? And. Yeah. I'm curious about that. Yeah, I, 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 once I decided I was voting for the steroid guys and that steroids don't matter, I, I decided it doesn't matter for anybody, even if you fail a test. Because there are guys that are probably using, probably even now, who are, you know, cheating tests. Um, and who else from that era? I don't know. I, I am just going straight, absolute results on the field because baseball was, complicit might be a strong word in this. But baseball didn't take care of it when they had to, helped the problem along. And I'm just going to, all I can go with is the results on the field. And MLB clearly does not um, care that much about this as a topic, I don't think. That that clearly takes the sanctimony out of, out of the process. I think that it may be a better way to look at it because in the NFL, someone gets busted for uh, taking steroids. Everybody just laughs it off. You know, so are we, are we being too stringent with this? I mean, I... I, I think about that often, especially when the ballot comes out. So, Kenny, does it make you sick when some writers 
sit there and say, well, listen, I've done as much investigative journalism as I can. And although I have voted for these people, I just could never narrow it down. And somebody says, yeah, that guy definitely did it. But even though this person didn't fail a test, I still think I know that they did it. Yeah, I, I don't love that. I definitely don't. Look, like look, Sammy Sosa, uh, look, there's obviously the, there's the, uh, the eyes, right? Like, certainly we're all suspicious of how is he turned from a nobody to an all-timer. Uh, and then, of course, he pretended not to speak English at that memorable congressional hearing. But there has never been one scintilla of evidence actually linking him to the drug or a drug dealer. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm just uh, I'm a due process person, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I decided uh, to vote for Sammy and McGuire and Clemens and Bond. And I did. I took the next leap in terms of guys found guilty, A-Rod Manny. Because when Bud got in, and I know I've discussed this with you, Chris, is you know Bud was found guilty of colluding back in the '80s as the right. Brewers' owner, and like which really damaged the game more? You know, these all these guys uh, juicing up and and producing more entertaining games, or like we're all old enough to remember the '80s. You know, like oh, Tim Raines is on no one's roster. Why is Tim Raines on no one's roster? Oh, because the owners colluded to keep him out of baseball. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't seem good. You know, so to me, that scandal is far worse than guys juicing up to to try to hit more home runs. Except, in fairness, the difference is is that nobody gives a shit if Bud Sealing's in the Hall of Fame. Most fans, I should say this, in my opinion, that's fair. Most fans do not yeah. care, but they care when their baseball players are in or they're not in. That's very fair, but I think uh, my job is to ignore that emotion and try to, like, I view it, you know, people have asked me, what do you say to your child? You know, what kind of example are you sending as a parent? I'll say, I'm setting an example of how to curate a museum, you know, because that's <laughs> what I'm looking for. It's intellectual consistency. Yeah, very I mean, the, the obvious issue here is the character class, right? It's spelled out on the ballot in numerous ways uh, that we're supposed to take character into account. It doesn't define that. Uh, there's nothing about failing tests. There's nothing about doing illegal activities. There's nothing about, um, you know, domestic violence. Like, there's just no stipulation about what it's a personal interpretation. I think uh, we can all agree that cheating is wrong. It creates an uneven playing field. Uh, Lavelle makes a good point. Was it uneven if everybody's doing it? Greenies, you know, every, everybody was doing greenies in the 70s yep. and 80s. To me, that was very much level playing field. Illegal, sure. Um, but everybody was doing it. Nobody. I mean, that was a, it wasn't even a secret. Like they were out in the open and, you know, joked about um, constantly. And people talked about it openly, even when they got banned. Like, oh, man, I'm really uh, I'm struggling now because there's no greenies. Um, but does that make it OK? I don't know. What's that? How, how does a? it's a very personal thing to find a character. But none of the other halls of fame include a character class. They don't have to consider that. They go with results. I feel like um, maybe that's the way we should go. The hall has been very firm. We've asked them, could you please explain what you mean? Could you please give us some guidance, especially on these steroid guys? And they're like, no, we we like this clause. We like you to consider it. We're not going to tell you what it means. Um, in things like the ERAS committee, the steroid guys are still not getting in, by and large, off the ERAS committee. So maybe they have a different interpretation. I don't know. But then the managers and C-League went in. The Hall is not an All Saints club. No, it is not. Uh, Susan, I'm curious. Did you ask them to remove the character clause instead of just define it? 
No, I don't think anybody's ever asked for that. I, I think it certainly would make it easier. But I think we have asked in some years, like, do you have an official position, especially on steroids? Okay. Uh, and we've gotten a, um, you know, and look, they shouldn't they shouldn't be in the position of telling people how to vote. Okay. I, I appreciate that. I respect that. But it certainly comp has complicated things. And not just for us, for them, for the veterans, for the players who were on the era's committee, um, the execs. That, I mean, nobody really knows how to interpret these things. I want to put a bow on this, if I can. Uh, just a simple yes or no. A-Rod, I believe, is third year on the – either third year on the ballot last year when he got almost 36% of the voters, his third year this year. Uh, so he's got a lot of time. Yes or no, do you think he will get in? Lavelle? No. Kenny? I don't, no. Susan? Nope. So all this TV works for nothing. <laughs> hey, and I, I see the guy now. He's a Timberwolves owner. Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> I'm he's sure admitted he's... he says he's done things that deserve going into the hall and he's done things that also have hurt his case. He knows sure. what he's done. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he probably explains it to you. Great. Lavelle, I've done some things that are very good for the game. <laughs> I've done some things that are not very good for the game. And have you seen Carl Anthony Towns play? He's very <laughs> yeah, good. that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you. Uh, first year of eligibility last year for Carlos Beltran. 46%. Raise your hand if you think Carlos Beltran will be the scapegoat of the Astros cheating scandal and thus never get in. Nobody's agreeing with that. Kenny? No, you th you think people will see past that? I think so. He's trending up, right? I haven't checked uh, Ryan Thibodeau lately. Is he's, he's doing a lot better this year, isn't he? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. He is. He is. Yeah. Yeah, I just think there was a bit of a one-year penalty there and i and again i think for maybe some of the older school voters like i think he's not a slam dunk um statistically uh even though i i strongly disagree i i, I could just see some older school voters not being fully convinced uh on him uh but, but uh, yeah i do think eventually he'll get in so yeah that that cheating thing seemed to be like kind of it takes a village thing like pinning mm -hmm. that on one guy so it's sort of like the steroid era uh, especially somebody with that great a career, that seems a little un unfair. And basically, it's Dodger fans. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing: I, I, I was I was covering the Royals when Beltran was like breaking into the majors, and I had a conversation with him when he was like 20 or 21, and he was telling me a story about how he was. I can't believe I can't remember if he was hitting left-handed or solely right-handed, and he wanted to be a switch hitter, and the team wouldn't let him be a switch hitter, and so he just said, "Screw this." And went to a winter ball one year and came back a switch hitter. <laughs> and and the guy was articulating hitting better than like eight year veterans on the Royals team. So I, I I think the trash can thing is just a a blip in his career because I think he's always had a great knowledge about hitting, and um and it's been a highly productive player. Uh, let's move on to Todd Helton. Seventy two percent of the ballot last year on sixth season on the ballot, so he's awfully close. Um, Susan, do you think that he has been kept out because of the Coors Field effect? And if so, will that change shortly? I do. I think that's certainly factored. I think any anybody that plays there kind of gets that knock. Uh, I sure hope that this is his year because that would help with uh, unclogging things a little bit. Mm. Uh, and he's deserving. Like, look at the numbers. Uh, I, 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 a little bit. Hey, look, 
it's not his fault where he plays, you know, and the numbers were great. So not everybody who plays there has put up those kind of numbers. It's good enough for me. Kenny? Yeah, I've always been a yes for Helton. Again, yeah, uh, I was always, I think I'm one of two voters that, that who voted for Larry Walker all 10 years he was on the ballot. I think uh, John Parado from Pittsburgh was the other one. So I'm just looking at like OPS plus, which is a statistic I really respect. Todd Helton's OPS plus was 133. That means 33% of the league average. And that factors in ballpark. So that's that's factoring in course field into that formula and accounting for it, essentially penalizing him for playing in, in course field, right? And he's still 33% better than the average. So he's been a, a, a yes every year for me. The thing for me, the thing for me is that he was he was a great hitter. I mean, you you could bring in the course field factor, but I think there was what eight or nine years where he had uh, more walks than strikeouts. I, I mean, this guy was uh, this guy was a, just a stud at the plate, and I can't believe the Rockies didn't do more damage when he had Helton at first, Lemayhu at second, Tulowitzki at short, and was an Aaron Dotto at third. Aaron Dotto at third. My God, how did that infield not just hit them into the World <laughs> Series? I. I don't get it. So, no, I'm a Todd Helton's uh, fan, and uh, I've been voting for him. Who were the so, pitchers on that team, Lavelle? I know, I know, I know. You can't <laughs> – God, Mike Hampton? No, that's, that's – No. After Hampton, <laughs> no. Not. He had long God. taken his kids out of the Denver school system by the time those guys got there. <laughs> oh, you remember that? God, well that's played. pretty good. <laughs> well played. Uh, just in case you're curious, his home OPS – one zero four eight. The road was eight fifty five, which incidentally is better than Hall of Famers Dave Winfield, Tony Gwynn, and George Brett. So if you're going to say, "Well, look at the difference," still better than some pretty good players that have made their way into the Hall of Fame. Um, is before we move on to just baseball topics, is there one player you'd like to take a stand for that maybe isn't in the forefront of of our followers' minds here? Lavelle, is there somebody? Uh, Jimmy Rollins may be one, uh, for me. Uh, he had an exemplary career, exemplary career at shortstop, highly productive at the plate. Um, I, 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 uh, voted for him. I think that he should be looked at differently for the totality of his career. So, um, uh, that would be the one I, I would jump, uh, on top. Um, just going to the past. I think this is because this is one reason how we've had to evolve with uh, the times here. I think writers had problems with relievers and get voting relievers in the hall. I always voted for like Lee Smith and those guys to get in. Um, I'm a little miffed that even though I'm no one biased because I covered it, I think Joe Nathan should still be on the ballot because if you put Nathan's uh, peak years next to Wagner's, they're not that much different. You know, but I just think that attitudes have changed a little bit and we're going gonna, we're gonna to have to continue to change because identifying who's a great starting pitcher is getting tougher because the whole thing, the H the ace pitcher is being becoming extinct in baseball. Cause before it used to be a horse, a guy could throw 250 in any 50 innings and dominate. And now you have like eight or nine pitches getting to 200 innings a year. So we're going to have to redefine what counts as uh, defines excellence in hall of fame worthiness as a starting pitcher. Susan. Yeah, I'm with Lavelle on the, the reliever thing, um, which leads me to Wagner, who we meant we touched on, but I think he is uh, not getting enough love. Uh, I think he's a guy who should be in. He'd look at the, the number of years he was among the best in the game. And uh, I, I really, I think a lot of things have hurt him, but, you know, his, his he just seems to be discounted for some reason. 
Uh, and I'd like to see more reliever. I'd like to see more players, period, but I'd like to see more relievers. Uh, and uh, going back, we mentioned Whitaker, the guy that I always uh, beat the drum for uh, in committees and whenever asked is Bobby Gritch. Second base just uh, is completely underrepresented in the hall. And it kind of started there when he got overlooked. And that's just mm-hmm. kind of scarred. Like you can you can draw uh, basically a line. Rich not getting in, a Whitaker. And now I worry that it might happen to Utley, who is a, a great player. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I I feel pretty strongly about those guys. Kenny? Yeah, I, I agree with everything uh, both of you said. And I will uh, tout uh, Andrew Jones. I, I just think uh, brilliant career. He's a rising stock uh, in this. I, I, it's looking better for him. But I think he gets penalized because he just fell off a cliff once he left the Braves. Really, the last five years of his career, he he went he kind of evolved from a, a high paid bust to a low paid useful reserve. But those first twelve years or so were superb. You know, just an elite defensive center fielder who slugged, and yeah. I think he is a no brainer. If he does get into the Hall of Fame, they're going to have to uh, move up the podium. To a very shallow part of Cooperstown. <laughs> We've never, ever seen somebody play a more shallow center field in the history of the sport. <laughs> that dude could just do anything. He was great. Let's hit some fun uh, baseball topics, if you don't mind. Uh, let's see if you agree with this statement. Raise your hand if you agree with it. What the Dodgers have done this offseason is horrible for baseball. Hmm. Got nobody raising their hands. There's a, There's a lot of people out there, Lavelle, who are like, Man, they're ruining the sport. Why do you not agree with that? This has happened uh, multiple years during these off seasons when a team just blows everybody out of the water with a gargantuan contract and make splashy moves. Um, and I, if we go back um, the next the last eight ten years, the team that wins the off season often does not win the World Series that year. So, and they're going to they're going to pay they're going to pay ridiculous money to Otani to be a DH in year one. So I, I want to see how the, the Dodgers maneuver through all this. Um, with so huge expectations, uh, huge payroll, and I think it's good for the game just because of the conversation it creates. Uh, but it doesn't mean success. It doesn't guarantee success when you have a season off season like they've they've had. Susan, I agree with that. I, I think a lot of people have issues with the deferrals, especially a lot of the other agents. <laughs> Um, but that's, you know what, they found a loophole. It's legal under baseball's current terms. I do think that there are probably going to be some tax ramifications and legalities around it, particularly in the state of California. Um, and I think it might be a loophole that other teams want to make sure is closed next time around in the CBA, but it's, it's okay for now. So they took advantage of it. Uh, if Otani wants to wait that long to get paid, Right now, that's his right. Um, does that upset the balance of things? Because then they can go out and spend more on, uh, you know, anyone else um, and obviously have. Uh, maybe, but I didn't see anyone else doing it. That was the same deal that uh, the Otani camp took to everybody and nobody else did it. So I'm just happy his dog has a visa now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, Susan. Do you think that Shohei has to win multiple rings in order to justify the size of that contract? Uh, no, it's not on him. I mean, I think he needs some. He needs to produce, but I don't think the rings are solely going to be on uh, Otani. I think the Dodgers need to win multiple rings 
to justify having done that. But that's not that's not on Otani. He, you know, by agreeing to defer, he's kind of doing all he can to make sure that they are good. So um, I don't have any issues with him whatsoever. I only wish the Giants had gotten him because I love watching that guy play. Same here. I, I think he's just he is. I don't think we talk enough about him. As much as we talk about him, we do not talk enough about him. I explain it to my football friends who asked me at NFL Network the day after he signed for $700 million. They're like, how's that possible? And I explained to them the business side of things. And I said, guys, it's the equivalent of Patrick Mahomes leading the league in touchdown passes and sacks. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> so please just enjoy it. And, you know, don't ask why and all this sort of stuff. But I don't know, Lavelle, like if if – he goes ringless in 10 years. People are going to see it as a failed contract, even if he wins multiple MVPs and continues to pitch at a high level, let's say for the next five years. Yeah. But you know, that's a reflection of how the rest of the roster is constructed. You know, that ring, this ring argument comes up a lot with the NBA, how you're trying to separate, you know, great players is how many ring, ring, rings they've won. Well, how many rings that Ernie Banks win? You know, he was still a fantastic player. So I don't, I'm not going to hold it over Tommy's head. Um, it's it's about the team that's put around him because uh, I know he's a he's a uh, he's a rare player for this era being able to dominate two sides of the uh, at the plate and throwing over the plate. Um, but you still still more to winning a championship than just having one guy. I, I do think Chris, since you asked this question, you can kind of get more granular on it when you talk about the the man you impersonate so well, a Rod. Uh, so you know, going back to his time with the Yankees. It, uh, that really defined his postseason failures defined him and and to some extent I think still do even though he had the one brilliant postseason 2009 when he he was the most important player as the Yankees won a ring many Yankees fans who, who intensely dislike him will point to the all the other postseasons when he he let them down so with Otani if he he's never played in October right so if he has bad Octobers and that's going to be something looming over him but if it's you know, if it's a matter of like a repeat of what we saw this past October against Arizona, where they're never even in the game because their pitching is terrible, that's a different narrative. Okay, fair enough. Speaking of pitching, it's an uncomfortable topic, but one that I think is necessary. Uh, Kenny, let's start with you. Do you think Trevor Bauer will ever throw another pitch at the Major League Baseball level? I do, Chris. I'm very curious to, to hear what my, my colleagues think because they're more plugged in than I am at this point. But when I Saw him do that little media tour last week, finally expressing contrition. We can question the sincerity of that contrition, but he at least said it. Uh, I, I said, okay, this guy's looking to get back in. And I do, I can't imagine a big market team signing him, but I can envision a, a smaller market team signing him. Susan? I agree. Um, I think we've seen, uh, say, with somebody like Geraldus Chapman, there, there are teams that are willing to overlook um, potential issues off the field, criminal or otherwise, even if allegations. I mean, these were very severe allegations. And mm -hmm. look, I don't know the ins and outs of, you know, grand juries and testimony and, you know, failing to pick up a case and what that actually means, you know, vis-a-vis -vis somebody's guilt or not. Uh, but there were some facts that came out through all this that have not been disputed that were, that were unsettling, very unsettling. Um, and I think that that will hurt him with a number of teams, but not all teams. We've just seen there are too many teams willing to um, take a chance on a guy who has a checkered past of, of any kind, including guys who have actually been found by baseball 
to have done something, you know, that uh, that warrants a very lengthy suspension. Yeah, I, th- I think Pop Bauer is showing that he knows that he's going to have to uh, 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 admit some of his uh, transgressions in the past. And I think you're going to see him do more of this going forward to set the stage for him to return to Major League Baseball. And it, whether it's right or not, uh, as time goes on, some of these wounds do heal just because, you know, uh, there's uh, time passes on. And I think that's going to it's going to lead to him pitching for someone. Uh, eventually, maybe I don't know about this year, maybe next year. I think we're going to see Trevor Bauer back in the majors. You know, it's interesting. Um, I do a daily podcast with Trevor Plouffe here in John Boy Media, and we had a recent discussion the day I after. know that guy. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, uh, me yeah, too. I, I can't, I can't wait to actually get some good stories from you two offline. This will be good. <laughs> uh, I need more ammo. But we talked about it the day after Bauer did his his first interview on Fox News. I have firmly been with the stance once again never criminally charged i understand that he has a right to work as long as he has served at whatever penalty i what i said was if i was one of the 30 owners i would want nothing to do with him in part because i don't think i don't trust him to have changed in certain areas and i think that he he might be conning some people here so it's not as simple as boy the guy's a damn good pitcher that is not it. I would tell, if I were an owner, I would tell my talent evaluators, go find somebody as good as that dude over there that doesn't have anything in his past. I know mean, it might not be that simple, and some people say, well, you can get him on the cheap. End of the day, you got to put your head on the pillow, people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Am I, am I off base there, Susan? No, I agree with you. There are definitely going to be teams that feel like that, 100%, and I absolutely understand why. Um, any team that signs Trevor Bauer um, or someone, say, like Araldis Chapman, etc., cetera, uh, is going to get a firestorm of reaction from fans and from media. There are some areas where that might be a little more palatable, you know, um, smaller places that haven't won in a while. And you know what? I ha- have to say the amount of the contract might matter. Uh, if you can get somebody with that kind of track record on the cheap, I, I really think that some team's going to do it. But it's not just going to be under fire from local media. And I do hope that it's everything is looked at, you know, extremely closely where wherever he goes, if he does. Um, it's going to be national media and it's going to be a nonstop story wherever he goes, certainly for at least the first year, uh, if and when he comes back. It's not going to go away. So teams have to be ready for that. And a lot of teams are going to be like, I just don't, you know, I can't say all things being equal because it's going to be hard to find somebody of that ability to just sign instead of him. Um, but he just might not be worth it with all the Lavelle, did you have something you wanted to finish that up with? Uh, I just, uh, I just think that um, teams and their desire to win will lead them down this path, you know, and they're going to look at any possibility to bring someone who, who can help them win. And that's why I can see a, re, uh, a return of, of Trevor Bauer, but they have to understand what they're going to take on um, there. You're looking at potential protests, uh, fans booing him on the road. Uh, are you ready for dealing with all the different things that will come with bringing such a controversial uh, figure in, into, into the game? So um, it's not easy. I just, with 30 teams, all it takes is one. And I think there's going to be one out there. Yeah, great point. I mean, Denver Broncos made Tim Tebow a first-round pick. 
So you're right. <laughs> Only takes one. Um, I think this is probably the last one I want to get. In the last year plus, the regional sports landscape has significantly shifted to the point where several teams came out loud, basically, in the offseason and said, we don't know what sort of budget we're dealing with because we don't know what's happening with Bally's. And I don't mean to pick on them, but they're the main carrier that, that everybody has front and center right now. Is this just an excuse for owners, Lavelle, or is this a legit concern that baseball fans should be worried about? Well, I, I think uh, for smaller market teams, it's a concern. I think the larger market teams who have their own television networks can uh, can protect themselves from some of this. Um, it's funny you brought it up because the Twins are one of the teams that are affected by the victory sports slash uh, Bally's conundrum. And uh, there was supposed to be a hearing um, on January 10th um, to try to solve it. It's been postponed 10 days because there's a good chance that they're going to reach an agreement to run it back one more year. So everybody has a year to figure out what the path is going forward. But I talked to someone on Monday who's stays in tune with a lot of broadcasting news. And he was like, if MLB thinks that they can make money from streaming, they got nothing coming. He said, Netflix is the only streaming company that's making money out there. Everybody else is taking a bath. So uh, MLB's may, may, uh, MLB might want to brace uh, streaming in the future. Uh, but they made it may want to wait a few years before they push that button and look for other ways to keep baseball on television. Susan, is it a concern? Yeah, uh, it, it's an absolute concern. I don't think it's a business model that works anymore. Um, the Giants are one of those teams that has they, they certainly have a, a major share in their local regional network. And that's not necessarily a plus right now. Those uh, RSNs are struggling. Uh, and if you're a part owner and you're, you know, potentially putting more in than you're getting out and the advertising's not there. Um, you know, you're relying on the cable fees and those are starting to go away with cord cutting. It's, it's just, uh, that's a problem. I agree with Lavelle. I'm not sure streaming is going is the answer. MLB, I think is working on all sorts of different potential scenarios, all of which are probably going to wind up being more costly for the consumer. Uh, and I'm not sure it's going to attract more of an audience and MLB is a sport that needs more audience, not less. Uh, if that's a stream revenue stream that goes away uh, and you still need eyeballs, you got to figure out something else. So uh, do we see even more advertising on uniforms, et cetera? Sure. Do we see higher ticket prices? Maybe, but that's not going to help either. I think uh, as advertising goes away everywhere, the, the, this is this is really just kind of the start. We're going to see all sorts of problems, I think, with all the RSNs coming up, including team-owned ones. All right. I think I lied. Ken Davidoff, you told us that you would give us your ballot before we left. Sure. Happy to. <laughs> why, why don't you? Why don't sure. You? We discussed some of them. but uh, So my ballot is Alex Rodriguez, Adrian Beltre, Chase Utley, Carlos Beltran, Manny Ramirez, Andrew Jones, Todd Helton, Bobby Abreu, Joe Maurer, Gary Sheffield. And Bob Abreu. Oh. So Billy Wagner was number 11. He was 11, 12. Pettit was up there, too. <laughs> Mark Burley. So, yeah, Burley. Burley was a tough one for me to leave off. I voted for him the other years. Really? Yeah. Is that yeah. because when you covered his games, you'd be out in an hour yeah. and 58 minutes? Uh, uh, pretty much. Pretty much, pretty much. He and uh, Mark Mulder uh, twice pitched on firework nights in Oakland, and they had to wait for like more than an hour to start the fireworks because it was still too light because <laughs> their games were too fast. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely. Great. A consideration. Now he was just one of the most consistently good pitchers for a very long time. 
Um, I absolutely oppose pro. I think guys like that need to stay on that. And I'm happy to give my ballot if you if you're looking for ballots. I am. Absolutely. Yeah? Let's yeah. do it. Uh, uh, Beltran, Beltre, Hilton, Jones, Maurer, Manny Ramirez, Rodriguez, Sheffield, Utley, and Wagner. So is there so, somebody who was 11? Abreu, I left Abreu, Abreu and, um, and Burley were probably my 11, my 11 and 12. Got it. And Lavelle, I don't, I don't mean to take away, uh, the postal service near the airport in Minneapolis, <laughs> you know, they're big, <laughs> big day, but it's up to you. Well, I feel peer pressure now. As no, long no, as no, no, no. I, that, as long as Thibodeau's not listening, as long as Thibodeau's not listening and adding up the numbers, because I just don't think it's fair to the candidates to have that drawn out on them. Like Troy Hunter's like trying to stay on the ballot. You know, he, he's on the cuffs five percent. Sheffield's on the last year of his eligibility. You know, I just don't know if that is fair to them to have that drug out. But uh, my ballot was uh, Beltre, Helton, Jones, Maurer, Sheffield, Utley. Wagner and I wish I would vote for Rollins. I think I may have to next year. Okay, uh, we appreciate you sharing all that. I know you you all take it very seriously. It's it's a ton of fun. You know, once we see who gets in, who gets out, the amount of discussion we have in this sport is just unreal. Because I think the Hall of Fame in this sport is held in such high regard. Listen, I I also work in the NFL, but man, the the voting when it comes to the Baseball Hall of Fame, there is nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It's more transparent than the other sports. Tell me who picks the NBA Hall of Famers. Tell me what that process is. Is it a Woj? (laughs) Yeah, it (laughs) is just Woj. Exactly. NHL, they say on their website, we're not releasing our ballot results. You know, so this is it's great for the sport. It it gives us something to talk about during the the winter. Um, And, you know, I. I check my box to have my ballot post posted online two weeks after the vote. So, and I'm more than happy to write a write about it after the votes announced. I'd like to see the hall of fame have his uh, day in the sun when they announce their winners. But uh, I still think it's an argument that why baseball is, hasn't totally relinquished its status as the national pastime, just because of the conversations like this, uh, that these, these, uh, these processes uh, create. Oh, it's really interesting. By the way, I know, Kenny, in years past, you've told us that you have people that just come at you. When oh, you yeah. Release, right. It yeah, it was little... fun. Cause, you know, now that I don't have a, uh, a gig, but I, I'm teaching at a college. So a year ago, I was teaching a sports journalism class at Endicott College in, in Beverly, Massachusetts. So I first day of class, I said, all right, I'm going to tweet out my ballot. Now let's see how the reactions go. You know, so it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's good. You ever have like a player come up and talk to you about it? Uh, I don't believe I have. I don't has, believe I have. Has anybody had a player come up and talk to him about their ballot? I don't, can't remember. Can't think of one. Okay. Good. Can't think of one. Not not Make, Hall of Fame. I, I I often get it for postseason awards. There you go. Not yeah. Often, but now and then, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Like players will be like, why didn't you vote for this person? It's actually a little bit more um, usually before the vote. People say like who you're voting for, like especially if it's very, uh, if there's like a two-man race. Um uh the the 2012 between trout and cabrera there was so much interest in that year um i had lots of players trying to trying to weigh in before the fact on that one do you remember who you voted for yeah i voted for cabrera he won he did win yeah yeah 
this was a ton of fun. Uh, Lavelle, you wanted to say I, I don't want to cut you off. If you had one last thing you want to get in there, no, you remember I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty famous for not putting Pager on the uh, oh, MVP right. ballot, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I God. had all kinds of players come up to me. I I started an argument in the lot in the clubhouse. I can't remember uh, what town I was in, but uh, we start. Someone asked me about not putting Pager on the ballot, and I responded, and then uh, a hitter said, "Yeah, that's right, because pitchers." You have a Cy Young Award. That's what they deserve. They don't deserve MVP. And the pitcher's like, "No, we should be good enough that the whole clubhouse is now arguing over um, <laughs> should pitchers be eligible for MVP awards." So, actually, I believe the twentieth anniversary of that is coming up, or twenty fifth is coming up. Yeah, so remember the twenty fifth anniversary yeah. column. There, there was a lot of stuff that went on. I, I'll tell you one quick story. Um, Terry Ryan, the Twins GM at the time, his uh, secretary was bilingual, Juanita. Lagos, that was her name. He had her call me at the office, leave a message, pretending to be the secretary for the president of the Dominican Republic. And so all the this, all this swearing is coming across the, I'm running back uh, messages. All of a sudden, someone's cursing me out in Spanish and then switches to English. How could you not vote for our national treasure, <laughs> Pedro Martinez? And uh, Terry Ryan felt so bad. He called like a half an hour. I, I had Juanita call. I'm sorry. I should have done that, you know, but Stuff like that was going on after the, the work was announced. <laughs> oh, that is legendary. Excellent. Uh, this was a ton of fun. I know that our followers are just going to eat it up, and I'm sure they'll have whatever thoughts they do in the comments. So thank you so much for your transparency. Uh, had a great, great time with this. Lavelle Neal, continued success up there in the Twin Cities. Try and stay warm. Uh, Susan Slusser, I will see you at some point, hopefully, out there on the baseball beat. Ken Davidoff, I have no idea what the hell you do for your life anymore. But whatever it is, keep living it. I'm tanned and rested. Yeah, well, if you're tanned, then I hope you save the receipt. I'm not tanning it because it didn't do a great job. But thank you all so much. I hope you had as much fun as we did today. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Jim Harbaugh to the Raiders. Stop it. Uh, that'll do it for now. For our one-of-a-kind producer, the awfully talented Robbie Scirocco, I am Chris Rose. We will see you next time here on the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.